slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You're still going to miss out on things that we think are really important about being a part of a church community, the intergenerational nature of it, the way that we support, encourage, teach, and learn from one another, inspiring music, cookies, coffee, you know, essential things like that. But we will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or perfect preachers. We're just your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so if you're away from home or working or coaching your kids underwater basket weaving team or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is that you're listening to this, get comfortable. Put those earphones in and receive this with an open heart and an open mind. And a quick note. We don't really care if you agree with everything we say or not. In fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. This is just a conversation starter, and we hope you enter into that conversation. Because our sincere hope is that whatever you think, you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So, Chris. So, Susan. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. So, for for uh, those among us who do not know what Palm Sunday is, it is... The day we, we go to church and we wave palms. We have palms and hang out with donkeys. Uh, yeah, we didn't have a donkey at my church. We I have a great have a joke about that in my sermon, though. We didn't have a donkey at my church this year, either. But we usually do. Poncho got snowed in. Oh, yeah, it's the problem of being in the mountains. I know, it's yeah. a bummer. But Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem amid street theater. Mm-hmm. All of his disciples running alongside with palm branches and coats as he rides in on a donkey's colt, which would have been funny mm-hmm. because he would his feet would have been dragging on the ground. And it wasn't a horse. It was not a horse. He was not a warrior. He was kind of mocking the Roman Empire in some ways. But he, yep. he rides into Jerusalem to begin his last week uh, right. with his disciples before his crucifixion and resurrection. And it's the beginning of some other famous stories, you know, too, that I think we forget, like the cleansing of the temple happens this week. Yeah, turning and, over those tables. And some things like that. So, But it's the beginning of, it's the scene that sets sets the stage for what's going to happen this week. So Right. And this week is what we call Holy Week. So there's celebrations and marking of occasions that happen Thursday and Friday as we head towards Easter. Yeah. And in some congregations, even Saturday. And even Saturday, the vigil. So. Yeah. So. But. uh, So Holy Week, sort of March Madness for churches, except it's April. This is the high holy season. This is the week, like, I heard about a church secretary who used to like to take this week off. Ooh, evil. 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 (laughs) There's so many different services going on, so much to keep track of. Yeah. And then after Easter, there's like five weeks, six weeks of the Easter Easter season, season. and then Pentecost, and then we're in what we call ordinary time for like six months. (laughs) Yeah. Which is my favorite. I love ordinary time. But we are in the middle of the highest of the high holy holy seasons right now. So Palm Sunday means um, we talk about that triumphant entry and we think about what that might mean and we reflect a little bit. And as I have been doing through Lent, we have another R word. Ooh, what's our R word this week? So our R word this week is relationships Hmm. and how there's one of the ways that God reveals God's self to us and one of the ways that we can be broken and yet still be in the midst of what God is doing. For me, when I think about relationships, I think about how many of my relationships have shaped me. 
from the very beginning with parents right. and siblings. And then I think about the person I met the second day of fourth grade and the person I met the first day of college orientation and all the people I've met since and before. And, you know, even those ones that I you, you sort of anticipate, you know, we're not done meeting people. We're not being done being influenced by the people we meet. So right. well, and um, there's teachers and mentors and friends and peers, peers and, and siblings, siblings and, and all of that. All that of those are, different kinds of relationships. Yeah. But I remember I wasn't going to go back to the second day of fourth grade. Uh-huh. I told, I came home and told my mother that that I was done. We switched schools. We moved. Oh, yeah. So it was a brand new school and a brand new town. And all the people I'd met over the summer didn't go to my school, right, mm-hmm. or, or weren't in my class. And I kind of knew where the bathrooms were. And I kind of knew where the playground was. But my fourth grade classroom was like as far from the playground as you could get. Everything is new. Everything is new and nobody talked to me. And it was like we had moved to like the most insular town ever, right? Yeah, so you felt super isolated. So so I was was like, I'm not going, you know? I found out many years later, like 20 years later, that my mother snuck out of the house and went to talk to my teacher. Oh. And suggested to my teacher, who was not a new teacher. (laughs) Who should have known this. Should have known this, that... That perhaps she should check to make sure there weren't other students in the class who were new. And maybe there would be other kids who would be willing to show them around. Uh-huh. So my mom convinced me to go to the second day of fourth grade to give it another try. Mm-hmm. The teacher asked how many of us were new. And there was I wasn't the only one. Ooh, that's right? good. And asked for volunteers. And my friend Donna volunteered oh. to show me around. And I've been friends with Donna ever since. I was going to say, I've heard Donna's name before. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, and I think about other, other like, moments in time, like the group of people who were going to lunch the first time I visited my home church in San Francisco. Uh-huh. They I invited had, you to go along with they them. They invited me to go along with them. And it's really funny. Like, they weren't folks that ended up being really significant, each one of them significant personally in my faith journey, you know. But that but, action. But, but that action. Of that wanting relation, to engage in a relationship was sort of enough to draw you back, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah. So those are, like, kind of, you know, bigger meta you know, influence it. But, but I also think about like the conversation I had once with a young man in a parking lot because I admired the piece of artwork he was carrying. Oh yeah. Right. And he's like, Oh, that's really cool. And he's like, Oh, that's mine. And I brought it. And, and we ended up in this conversation of like maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was a conversation and I, you know, I handed him my business card, you know, just because. Right. And I haven't heard from him again, but I still think of that conversation and wonder how important, you know, like, because it was important to me. Absolutely. And, you know, how relationships, short or long, lifelong, shape us. They, Absolutely. They form us into who we are and, and they allow us to be more. You know, the confidence we get with those relationships sometimes or the empathy we learn because we we can really hear somebody else's story. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of examples of how that, that works. I read three scriptures. I had three scriptures read Ooh. on Sunday morning. Heavy scripture Sunday. You still was, haven't found a scripture your liturgist won't read, though, huh? Well, in the, in the 10 o'clock worship, I do all the scripture reading. Oh, at the 10 o'clock? Uh-huh. Oh. But at the 8 o'clock, I have folks who do it. Otherwise, it's the Susan Show. Yeah. But they handled it really well. And they were lo- there's some long ones because it's the story of Palm Sunday. Of, Which is of Jesus 11 verses or so. 12 verses, Yeah. Then the, the other story was the story of Jairus, Jairus' daughter and the woman who... The two the bleeding woman. So the 12-year-old daughter and the, the woman who's been bleeding, bleeding for 12, 12 years. years. And that's like a... Both healing a 20, stories. Yeah, it's yeah. like a 20, 20, 22, 23... Verse. Verse story. story. Yeah. And luckily my third verse, my third 
chosen verse yesterday is from Matthew, and it's only like four verses, and it's about Jer- Joseph of Arimathea taking who takes body. Jesus's body, yeah, right, and buries it and puts it in the tomb. So yeah, so that's like forty, forty verses. Of <laughs> it, you know, at least it was like in two sections because we read the the Palm Sunday story at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. The, the three scriptures are sort of indicative for me of, of, of various kinds of relationships that Jesus has mm-hmm. in Jesus's story and reflected of some of the kinds of relationships we have in our lives. Right? Okay. Yeah. So in that first one, um, Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem on a donkey that his friends went and procured. And I, I joked on Sunday, I said, do you have a friend that'll go get you a donkey? Yeah. I like the, the meme that was running around. That runs around this time of year every yeah. year that says, be the ass that brings Jesus in. <laughs> that's me. That's it. That's it. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. That's, that's my job. That's my job. This is an example of how Jesus had a relationship with this crowd. Right? Okay. It's not a one-on-one relationship. I mean, it is for the disciples. It is for the friends and the, the inner circle. But then there are also this crowd that develops because there's this excitement. There's something going on. They've heard news and rumors. And, news and rumors about this Jesus guy right. who does all this crazy stuff and says all these crazy, crazy things. things. And, and, and sort of that moment in a relation. It, it, in my, I, I, you know, I kind of think about, you know, sort of the feeling of being at a, a really good concert. Uh-huh. Right. And that connection between the, the, the crowd and, and the, the crowd. I mean, yeah. there's sort of that sense in this. And to a lesser extent, we feel that every week when right. we have sort of the bulk congregation, even though right. we have relationships with all the people right. in the congregation. Yes. There's an energy that happens in the room. Right. That's a That's a responsiveness of us to them and them to us and all of that. So. Yeah. So we're, what we have yeah, is I said like it. A, we're rock stars. Yeah. I said that's it. That's totally what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like a snapshot of this relationship between Jesus and the people that we're, we're, we're picturing here, right? Yeah. Uh, victorious, and it's it's filled with expectation. And, and, like, we get that excitement, and we understand, you know, how that feels. But we also know the rest of the story, right? That the right. triumphant entry is going to fade, and, and the reality of unfulfilled expectations is going to sneak in. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't going to raise the army, the week, and the week is going to end very differently. Than it than began. This party. And it's also that one of those moments where um, relationships change, where you go from that surface friendship level, maybe, or so, yeah, uh, acquaintance, have... acquaintance level. Yeah. Um, it's maybe a better description. And, and the reality of the, what this relationship with Jesus means, it's going to cost more than waving branches and shouting Hosanna. And the risk is, of following is going to become greater. And it has a little bit of that, like, I'll show up for the party, but I'm not going to help with setup or cleanup. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. those people. Fair right. weather friends. Fair weather friends, right? And that, that also what we're, we're looking at is this snapshot right before the breaking of relationship, right? Like, mm-hmm. like there's going to be folks who just leave, you know, who leave and hide. And then there's the who are going to put down their palms and pretend like they weren't even there. Then when I look at that scripture, the scripture about... The healing about the man whose daughter is sick. You know, this man whose daughter is sick. He's the leader of the temple. He comes and he throws himself at Jesus' feet and says, come heal my daughter. You know, you know, here's a father, end of his rope. You know, he's coming to the fringe. He, he's at the center of power and he comes to the fringe to say, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. And risky, and he's risking something for that, right? Like, there is a depth of risking in that. So, but here's a guy who's, who's risking all in one way and it's contrasted with this woman who has nothing left to lose. Right. 
because we're told explicitly she has no more money. She's seen all the doctors and we know implicitly that she's already outcast from community and connection because she is unclean. She's unclean. Right? Yeah. With the, the rule was, you know, during your time of the month, yeah. ladies, you were not welcome in right. any religious community. Well, and then to be ill, you know, not even if yeah. it, even so if it wasn't that, that it would be the she's illness ill she and then she's also yeah and then she's poor yeah. i mean like there's all those pieces right and and she 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 basically has nothing left to lose right what she has left to lose she does she 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 risks because she sneaks into a crowd when she she should be yelling that she's unclean so people can move out of her way right exactly right and she she slips in just just close enough to be able to touch that hem and she's and that's enough, right? Like that that's the story. She's healed. She instantly knows she's healed. And yet powerful part of this story is that Jesus goes, Who did that? Yeah. Like the crowd is pushing in against around him. He's it's being touched by a lot, a of, lot people. of people. He goes, We have a connection. We have a relationship. Yeah. Your faith has made you well. And then Jesus goes on to do the healing. Jarius's daughter, you know, she's dead. The crowds are like, Why bother now? They go into their traumatics about death and yeah well um, the, the part of the ritual right is that right. like loud mourning loud wailing and, and wailing and and then he takes the a few of his disciples and the father and the mother which i think is really interesting they'd never noticed in that story that mm-hmm. he takes the mom in too and says you know get up you know get up and walk and you guys better feed her and <laughs> yeah like i bet she's out. hungry <laughs> that death thing will take it out of you oh, yeah you know, there's relationship there. There's transformation because of that connection, because they've made those risks, because they've said yes, because they've opened themselves up mm-hmm. to it. The final story we tell is, we told was the story of, of Joseph of Arimathea, who's a rich man, who's also a follower of Jesus. That's what we know about him. Mm-hmm. And he has evidently had a tomb built for himself in Jerusalem. That's the Which other we assume, if he's a rich man, is a pretty nice tomb. Yes. Well, and it, ha- it requires a rock and it, you know, like... Right. Which is like, normally when people are crucified, their bodies are left out to in rock. the street. Yeah. Like, they don't get a nice burial. They just fall at the bottom. So, Joseph shows up, has the power and privilege to ask for his body, is given his body, wraps him in a, in a shroud, lays him in the tomb, and shuts the tomb. Yeah. And we're told that Mary and Mary are there watching. From our perspective, and especially, I think... First century, right? Like you and I know people who have come back from death, right? Like they they, they tell their near death experiences, right? Mm. I had this heart attack and, and my CPR whole life saved me between my right. before my eyes and right. But I mean, not to make light of that, but I think you know, in the first century, you know, we have the stories of Jesus bringing people back from the dead, and maybe that's it. Maybe a few stories of like we thought it was dead, but he came back, you know. But but how final death is. Here we are, um, relationship ended, hope gone, grief begun. Here we are at the end of relationship. And of course, we know the rest of the story. It's hard to tell the story without the rest of the story, right? right? Like, we know what comes next. But to sit there for a little bit is not an unhealthy thing for us to be thinking about the end of relationship and the end of connection and, and how hard that is. Well, and, and to recognize, I mean, the cynical among us. Go into a relationship knowing that. Mm-hmm. Like that this, I'll use my dog as an example. 
when I got my dog, right, like I knew that one day my dog would no longer be with me. Yeah. And it has given me some rough moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that day is coming, but I, but I would not give up having right. my little fur daughter with me all the time. Uh, Louis C.K. in his 2017 special, which is hilarious and defensive if you're easily offended, or even if you're not easily offended, it's fantastic. Uh, he talks about relationships, like all relationships ha- have pain, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like all relationships have pain. There's, right. there's something hard about every relationship. And he says, you're either alone or you're in something that's, and I won't use his word, but that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> he says, if you don't think that you're in that, like, he's like, you know, there's young couples in the audience and they think, no, we're in a good one. And he goes, you just haven't hit the hard part yet. Right. You know, right. That, that it's always hard. And then he goes on to say, and it's worth it. And it's worth it. Yeah. And it's worth yeah. it. You know, because there's nothing better than to know that we're connected to other people. Now, I noticed, Susan, that you didn't use any sort of romantic examples. Right. You talk about a father and his daughter. daughter. You talk about yeah. the woman, the strange face in the crowd. Out. Joseph of Arimathea, who was sort of a follower. Right. But you didn't really mention... Yeah, well, first of all, they really aren't don't exist in our gospel texts, right? Like right. we don't have any great love stories, like in the midst of the gospels, because that's and they had enough time to talk about those, yeah, if they were around. Yeah. Which means to me, probably that maybe they just weren't that they weren't the center. That, they weren't the center. That's, that's not the center of the story that we're trying to tell here. I mean, I think about like how hard is it sometimes to find the appropriate biblical text for a wedding. Right, absolutely. Right? Because we all have the to romantic go. romantic stuff is like, well, that's a mother-in-law and a daughter. Daughter. Like, so, yeah. yeah. For me, it goes back to that volume lens that we talked about yeah. last time. Yeah. Like, how much do people talk about this? And when marriage was different back then. Right. Yeah, totally, totally. So marriage didn't mean the same thing that it means now. Uh, but at the same time, I think our church has a really awkward time with single people. Yeah. I think we don't know what to do with them. Like, we right. have couples groups. and I mean, sometimes we have ladies groups and men's groups and stuff. The reality is, is that our culture says the but ultimate relationship is the couple one. Is the one. romantic relationship. Right. And the biblical text says the, the ultimate relationship is the one with God, the one with community, and the one with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, I think, helpful for us as right. a starting place when we're trying to figure out churches. I'm so sorry. But when we're trying to figure out what to do with single people. Yeah. Like, hey, why don't we look at the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> well, or why don't we just... What are the rela- people like people? Yeah, what are the relationships that are modeled in the Bible? Well, they right. aren't necessarily romantic right. relationships. Right. We do look at the relationships that are exampled in the Bible. You know, and these are just like, like the verses I use are just like three examples because, I mean, we could have talked about Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus. And Lazarus, and, and we could have, I mean, there, there's, there's Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Like we could get into all the different relationships right. that Jesus has um, because he's he's sort of the center of this web, and we, and we all are. We all have our own webs, webs right? To, to make that reality that that we need to be as conscious of these relationships mm-hmm. as we might be need to be of romantic ones. Absolutely, um, because relationships are hard. Yes, <laughs> um, they open us up to risks. Yes, uh, of being hurt. Of hurting others, because mm-hmm. I think most of us don't want to hurt anybody else. Right. Of grief when they end or when somebody dies or when, you when, know, brokenness happens. When things change. Change, right. Like when other relationships become more important right. or less important. Right. Um, of disappointment, you know, the, mm-hmm. the like that line I used um, when we talked about the triumphant entry, the unfulfilled expectations. Right. Like those are the hardest things sometimes in our life is that. That we have these expectations that somebody else is not filling for us. Yeah. Our inner five-year-old goes, it's not fair. It is not fair. But that's the reality. That's that's who we are. That's humans. That's 
brokenness that's life. And and relationships are hard too because they're not completely under our control. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I you, you know what, Chris? I can't up. make you my friend. Oh, but you did. Yeah, but I didn't like <laughs> put a gun to your head. Like you know, you could you had free will to say, oh, "I'm not hanging out with that crazy lady." Exactly. Well, right. when the first thing you said to me is, "Do you like acapella music?" <laughs> that was a risk. That it was, was a risk. risk. It was a risk. It paid off. But it, paid it was, off. A, it was I mean, a risk. But people can leave. You know, circumstances change, like we said a moment ago. Yeah. When we talked about rejection a few episodes ago, right? Um, and and how painful that can be. Yeah. It just is, right? You know, and, and this are those times when I remember I had a friend who her expectation, her understanding of the commitment of friendship was radically different than mine. Uh, like we weren't friends. We really weren't truly friends unless we talked daily. Oh. I'm an introvert. Yeah. No, that's. There's sometimes I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. It's not personal. Right. It's not personal. Right. And sometimes relationships break and we break with them. I mean, mm-hmm. they're risky. Right. But on the flip side of that. I think relationships are necessary. They're actually, we're, we're wired for it. Yeah. Even us introverts are wired to be in relationships. We are. Right. We just get to be pickier about who we want to hang out <laughs> we with. We sometimes are just a little pickier. Yeah. Um, because relationships are part of how who we are is revealed. Yeah. And who God is is revealed. And then who God is calling us to be. Because I, you know, I don't know about you, but some of my relationships are the places that get me out of the ruts, get me thinking differently. Yeah, that's the place where where God's God speaks really clearly to me. Where you are still being shaped, like your right. your relationships that have come before shape you, which is why psychologists will have an endless supply of work forever because right. nobody is perfect. We're all right. shaped by imperfect people, but we are still being shaped, shaped. by the relationships that we choose to right. be in now. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that forms us right as who we are as individuals, who we are in community. Mm-hmm. You know, because you talk about that web. I think about um, Malcolm Gladwell's work on um, on the tipping point, you know, like the kinds of people that exist in the world and how trends yeah. start. But also that's a that's how we work in our networks of friends and tribes. Relationships then, then shape us, um, I think, as well into the beloved community. It's when we have to figure out how we deal with good or bad, fill in the blank, in someone else, in someone in our community, that we begin to reflect God's beloved community. So say more about beloved community. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, I mean, that's another way of saying the kingdom of God. Right. What does that look like? That's when we realize that God loves us Mm -hmm. as God loves others. And that, that when we, when we begin to reflect and realize that the person we run into that we're having trouble with is also a beloved child of God and act accordingly. (laughs) Um, And it, you know, it has the issues of inclusion. It has the the issues of justice. We have the issues of, of just being able to be different people in the same place. Mm-hmm. Tolerance. <laughs> Tolerance. Acceptance. Acceptance. And, and, and how that happens. When, when we do that in the best way possible, that begins to give us glimpses of. of right? This. I mean, in the church, we have a lot of language for this, right? Beloved community, kingdom of God. The kingdom of the God. kingdom of God. I also think about our images around, sometimes our images around communion. Know the table, the banquet that, that that Jesus is preparing for us. Yeah, in some eschatological future. Eschatological. Eschatological future. Not sorry. scatological. Yeah, no, eschatological. Yes, which means future oriented. Not poop. Yes, not poop. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so, so yeah, I mean, so that's why we talk about relationships. That's why we have to deal with them. That's why we have to be in the presence of them. Um, and that's why sometimes we have to be, not sometimes, but that's why we have to be authentic and open and real in community, especially in the church. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes it's hard to be the church. And sometimes it's easy to be the church, but... As Nadia Bolzweber says, we will disappoint you. We will disappoint you. But we're going to try. We're We're going to try real hard not to. to. And that we don't know how to deal with everything yet. Yeah. Come help us figure that out. Mm -hmm. Right? And and so we talk about the metaphor that I've been using in this this sermon series about the mosaic, right? Like the, the, the brokenness becoming something more. And it's the broken people in broken relationships it, you know, being broken people together that makes that image beautiful, mm. right? It's if we're one broken thing by itself, it's not that attractive. But right. as we build those together, and and sometimes we need to sit with that a little bit. And I think this is the week to sit with that kind of jumbled up mishmash. What the image that just popped in my head is all the lost toys in our preschool. Mm-hmm. So we have this one bin that if you find a toy that's like randomly been separated from all the other like pieces you put it in that bin uh-huh. well and sometimes i go and look in that bin and it's just this and, and i'm so glad i'm not the teacher who has to go put everything back together but god is the teacher who goes and puts all the pieces you know rearranges them sometimes perfectly sometimes yeah good enough building them into something new but building them into what will be and so this week as we enter into holy week and we have to remember that there is something that happens between now and easter there's something that happens between now and the Easter Bunny yeah, that is significant to our faith and significant to our lives. The image I, I left my folks with is the closed tomb. Is that the end of the story? We know it's not, but let's sit with that closed tomb for a little bit and yeah. see what God is doing with it. So um, before we get into the wrap up, mm-hmm. what are the services that are happening at your church this week? So we're doing a Monday, Thursday at seven. If people wanted to sit it's, in that story. If they want to sit in the story, we're doing a Monday, Thursday at 7 p.m. at my church, St. Paul's United Methodist Church here in Reno. And then um, we'll be doing Easter Sunday and Good Friday, you and I... And some other of our colleagues are going to be the doing boy it. clergy. The in boy, town. we're going to go play with the boy clergy. We're going to go town. play with the boy clergy, not in a weird way. Not in a weird way. Gary Pope Sears Gary, is our Gary Methodist is hosting us at at Sparks for Methodist and Sparks, yeah, for a Friday evening, seven o'clock. So we're looking forward to that, and that's going to be fun. All right, or what it is, it'll be what it is. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing today, you can shoot us an email, sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on sundaymorningsleepin.com on any platform where you listen to podcasts. The scriptures for this podcast are, and I'm going to let Susan list them off since there are many, <laughs> Matthew 21, 1-11, Mark 5, 21-43, Matthew 27, 57-61. And the theme music you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. The benediction yesterday had this great line in it that said, uh, We have followed you to Jerusalem, Jesus. Follow us to the Jerusalems we're going to face. Which oh. was a really cool line. That's what I that I kind of I'm thinking about the blessing today is that as we as we journey with Jesus, Jesus also journeys with us. That relationship we have with Jesus and with God. The Holy Spirit is a part of the very fabric of who we are and, and how that carries us. And just to be aware of that connection, of that relationship, 
even the hard places, and even how sometimes it's hard to be in a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes she's just like, nope, <laughs> done with this. But that's that's the stuff of life. That's the stuff that leads us into more. That leads us into um, the places that God would like us to be, and thinks that we will be better for. So go to Jerusalem with Jesus this week, so that when you're in Jerusalem, you know Jesus is with you. Amen. Mm-hmm.